This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Yes, it is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happening surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. You can follow the show on Twitter at Subway to Shea. You can listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. You can also find Subway to Shea on YouTube. This podcast is available every Thursday on the HSP Network. Catch me alongside podcasts like The Bullpen with DA, Third Floor Lounge, which covers the NFL and NBA, Sus Talk, and the return of the High Spot Podcast, which covers all things professional wrestling. Just search High Spot Podcast on YouTube or youtube.com slash highspotpodcast and make sure to subscribe today. Please also take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show. Things that you like, things that you don't like. I want to know both sides of the story so that I could make this show better each and every week. Tom G 817 says, great listen all the time. Very fun listen every week. Great intro with Subway sound effects, great news, and opinions every week. Well, Tom G 817 I appreciate it. I appreciate all of the reviews that I've gotten so far. So make sure that you go on Apple Podcasts, leave me a review. Hopefully it's a five-star review so that I could climb the rankings in the baseball and Mets podcast genre on Apple Podcasts. I would appreciate that. And let's keep this podcast rolling. Let's keep it chugging along and let's get up there in the rankings. Also, speaking about some sort of rankings, vote for me on Twitter. Vote for the Subway to Shea podcast on the Mets Twitter tournament. You can find it at Mets Fan on YT. So that's at M-E-T-S-F-A-N-O-N-Y-T. We are currently in the Sweet 16, and I'm going up against the number one ranked at Miss underscore Met. It's a long shot, but help keep this Cinderella story going to the Elite Eight. So vote on Twitter at M-E-T-S-F-A-N-O-N-Y-T. That's Mets fan on Y-T. And help me go to the Elite Eights. And I thank you for all the support already. I've gotten through to two rounds already. The round of 64 and then the round of 32. So I appreciate you guys getting me this far. I love all the Mets support that I've had for the podcast since I've started this thing. And I really appreciate all you guys. So thank you once again. Let's also thank Jake Giblin for being on my show last week. He was a great guest. Jake is the co-host on the Mets podcast Cohen's Corner, which you can listen on a variety of platforms, including the ones I'm on currently. And you can follow that podcast on Twitter at Cohen's 
Corner Pod. He's also a contributor at Rising Apple, which you can find on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog. Thanks, Jake. I really appreciate you. And we're definitely going to have you on again real soon. This week, no guest. It's just you and me. And we got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. What a week. It has been since the last time we've talked. It was a tale of two teams. As we left you off last week, the Mets were getting ready to play in Chicago against the Cubs. And that was a very frustrating series from beginning to end. The Mets got swept, bad defense, which we're going to get more into later on. Then they come home and they kind of get back on track or I guess tread water as they win a series against the Washington Nationals. I'm not going to go game by game and break down each and everything that happened because you all know what happened. But I will discuss with you the top Mets stories from this week. And where else would we start off but with Jacob deGrom? Another amazing performance from the ace of the New York Mets, Jacob deGrom. And now the thought process is, Jake, not only for the Cy Young, but could it possibly be Jake deGrom for MVP? Now, Jake was dominant, or if you want to say degrominant, or however you want to phrase it. I know a lot of people, and myself sometimes too, kind of use his last name to make, you know, another word, like degoat. But Jake was dominant once again on Friday night at City Field as the Mets defeated the Nationals 6 to nothing. Jake pitched a complete game shutout. Nine innings, two hits, no earned runs, no walks, and for the first time in his career, fifth. 15 strikeouts in a single game. It's a career high for him in single games to get that 15 strikeouts. His season stats so far this year, four games he started, 29 innings pitched. He's 2-1, and one, and listen to this, 0.31 ERA and 50 strikeouts. It's his 72nd career victory, and he now leads the franchise in ERA with a 2.55 ERA, which is over Tom Seaver, that's right, you heard it, who had a 2.57 career rate with the New York Mets. Now, don't put too much into this yet. You know, DeGrom still has a lot more of his career to go, a lot more, hopefully, ending his career with the Mets, but he still has a long way to go before we can, I say, put him in that echelon with Tom Seaver. Obviously, Tom Seaver pitched in a way different era when they allowed pitchers to pitch complete games even if they lost. They were pitching nine innings or even longer. Some games, Seaver pitched 10 innings. So there's a lot of time before I would like to really consider Jacob deGrom uh, maybe some sort of equal to Tom Seaver. I don't think... And he, I feel like he would have to win multiple more Cy Youngs. An MVP would go a long way, which we're going to discuss in a few moments. Definitely a World Series ring is necessary. He's already been to a World Series, and but the Mets lost and he had a rough time. But he's been good in the playoffs. But there's still a long time. I would start maybe putting discussions in with Jake and Dwight Gooden. That's a possibility. But to compare him so close, so, you know, to Tom Seaver, I'm not ready to do that, just yet. Not just yet. Maybe down the line. Maybe once this part of his contract is over, we'll find out how close he is to Seaver. But not just yet. Now, I mentioned 15 strikeouts. And with 
his 15 strikeouts, Jake set an MLB record for throwing 50 strikeouts through his first four starts. That's an MLB record. Jake also did his job offensively again. He went two for four, one RBI, two runs. He's batting 545 with six hits and two RBIs. He got the Mets offense started and they never looked back from there. He has been solid. Sometimes, you know, you just got to do it yourself. And that's what Jake did. He'll never blame his teammates when they fail. I mean, they should never be failing behind him. But there's a lot of pressure on the team to score runs for the bullpen to pitch well. Especially when Jake either gives up one run, two runs, or no runs. Jake should have over 100 wins already. But somehow, the Mets have a losing record with Jake on the mound. Only the Mets this could happen to. But like I said, he never blames his teammates. He will never get angry at his teammates. He goes out there to help the Mets and put them in position to win each and every start. And with his offense getting so much rave reviews and doing so well, you know, you can always count on him, at least to take care of himself. And I think on Friday night, once the Mets saw how good he was pitching and him hitting, they behind him started to hit well too with Brandon Nimmo doing his thing, hitting a home run. The Mets need to get behind Jacob deGrom and support him at all costs. This display, with the pitching that he did, with the hitting, got Mets fans chanting at City Field, MVP. So is it possible, if he keeps on this pace, could he win both the Cy Young and the MVP? You know, the last pitcher to win the MVP is Clayton Kershaw. In 2014, he went 21-3 and with a 1.77 ERA. He didn't hit well. He only hit 175, but he also won his third Cy Young that year. And Jake is in line for that as well. He's already got two. He's got the two back-to-back. And this could be the year before Clayton Kershaw did it. In 2011, Justin Verlander won the Cy Young and the MVP in the league. He was 24-5 and with a 2.40 ERA. Now, I don't necessarily know if Jacob DeGrom will win 20 to 24 games. I would at least like to see that once in his career. But with the run support that he doesn't get and the way pitching is now with taking out the picture so so early, he might have a tough time. Maybe he could get to 17, 18 wins and that might be enough. But we don't know. There's a lot of great pitching this year, but none of them have come close to what Jake has put on the field. He is just on another stratosphere right now when it comes to pitching and when it comes to this team. So we are witnessing history every single start now. It's a must-see start. It's like when Tom was pitching. When Tom Seaver was pitching, it was must-see. When Doc Gooden was pitching, it was must-see. Everyone wanted to be there to see him pitch. And the same thing is happening with Jacob deGrom. I know, for one, that if Jacob deGrom is able to win the Cy Young and the MVP this year, Boy, that will go a long way into possibly, somewhere down the line, him being called to Cooperstown and definitely getting into the Mets Hall of Fame, for sure. So let's see how the rest of this season goes. It's early. Like we said with the Mets offense, it's early. There's still a lot to go. But what we've seen so far in this month has been historic. And I only hope, I pray every day, that we continue to see this greatness come from Jacob deGrom. Now, next up, we got to talk about who's on third. I don't know. 
It's kind of straight out of the famous Abbott and Costello skit, which you can see in Cooperstown. The who's on first skit is a part of Cooperstown. But why do I relate this to the Mets? That's because the Mets have an issue at third base. It's an interesting situation they have on their hands with J.D. Davis and Luis Guillorme. Now, the big question after those last week of games, is J.D. Davis's offense worth what can seem to be the mediocre defense that he's been playing at? Statistically, this season, he's batting 414 with two home runs and six RBIs. He's tearing it up on the offense. And this is with guys like Lindor, Conforto, McNeil, all struggling at the plate. McCann, all of them have been struggling at the plate this year. Can Davis, who his bat needs to be in the lineup, can his defense improve? Because his defense in Chicago cost them a couple of runs. He had issues throwing a routine inning-ending double play that opened the floodgates. You know, it's different when you're close to getting out of the inning and then an error just changes everything. The pitch count goes up for the starters. You can't get off and you start struggling. And that's what happened not only to J.D. Davis, but the rest of the defense struggled in Chicago for the reason why they got swept. It was poorly played. Now, I see some of the same issues with J.D. Davis at third that I saw with David Wright. Now, I'm not saying that they are the same defensively. David Wright had some really good years defensively at third base. It only really changed once he hurt his back and got the spinal stenosis. But one of the issues, and I want to know from you guys, you can tell me on Twitter, do you feel the same way about when J.D. Davis double pumps, when he has the ball in the glove and he's trying to throw, he always double pumps. Same thing that David Wright did. Before he throws, that error, not only one error, but there was multiple errors throughout the series that cost the Mets runs. And like I said, it drove pitch counts up for the starters. So what did the Mets decide to do in game three of the series with the Cubs? They went to Luis Guillorme. And right off the bat, Luis Guillorme, first play of the game, makes a web gem of a defensive play. And you're thinking to yourself, you know what? Maybe Guillorme should be playing every day. But we have the same kind of questions for Luis Guillorme that we had for J.D. Davis. But in reverse, is Luis Guillorme's defense enough to counteract his offense? And I know he's hit all of last year. He's hit in spring training. He's hit in a couple games this year. But it's only a small sample size of his offense. And it's possible the more he plays, the more his offensive deficiencies will be exposed. So what do you do? You could... Go two different routes, I see. You could sort of do a platoon where Guillaume plays when ground ball pitchers are starting, like a Stroman or a Peterson, and Davis could play the other games. You know, Marcus Stroman, he induces a lot of ground balls. And we saw that with David Peterson, too, in Chicago. And if the balls are constantly coming your way, you gotta be able to make these plays, especially the easy ones, especially the routine ones. You gotta make those plays. And that's when Guillaume comes in, because he could do that. The other idea is because the offense is struggling so much to start the season, you keep J.D. Davis as a starting third baseman because he's swinging a hot bat. 
and you need it in the lineup right now. Like we said, Lindor, Conforto, McNeil, McCann, they're all struggling right now. To a certain extent, Dom Smith, who had a tough time putting the Mets over the hump with the bases loaded in extra innings. He grounded into a double play. So do you have J.D. Davis be the starting third baseman and then have Guillaume come in as a late inning defensive replacement? I think that is the move to go with right now. This offense needs to get going. So their defense might suffer for a little bit because you need, you need J.D. Davis to score some runs. But then you could bring in Guillaume at the end of the game. You could bring him in for the eighth and ninth inning. Or if you want, maybe after his third at bat, you put him in the seventh. And obviously, if the Mets are blowing out a team, you can keep J.D. Davis in. But in a close game, maybe it's wise to take him out. I don't know. I think... Either way will work. I think that the move right now, because the offense is struggling, is to have J.D. Davis start and then Guillaume to come in late in defensive replacement. That's the only way I could think this could work. J.D. Davis needs the reps. He needs to get better at third base. And the only way to do that is to continue playing. You know, he kind of reminds me a little bit of when the Mets had Melvin Mora at shortstop when Ray Ordonez went down. Now, Melvin Mora was a great hitter. Struggled at shortstop. And that's why they made the trade for Mike Bordick. They went defensive. And he didn't really help as much as you thought he would have. They went to the World Series, but his contributions were few and far between. But it kind of reminds me of that situation a little bit. So we'll see. We'll see what the Mets decide to do. Right now, J.D. Davis bats so hot that you might have to just keep him in. And that's that. Now, I said earlier, it was a tale of two teams this past week. In Chicago, the Mets got swept by the Cubs, but it looked like they beat themselves with awful defense all around and a lifeless offense. Now they come to City Field and get great pitching from their ace and Taiwan Walker, and although Game 2 saw more bad defense and the lifeless offense return behind a very rare rough game from Marcus Stroman, they had gotten good offense from Brandon Nimmo, who keeps getting on base, whether it's through a walk, a base hit, he hit a home run on Friday night, or offense from Pete Alonzo. He hit three homers this past week, two in Chicago and one against the Nationals on Sunday. And like we said, J.D. Davis is hitting well. So I want to know, how are you feeling after this week? Me personally, I'm not worried. I get very frustrated and you'll see it on Twitter. I get frustrated, especially with the offense, because we all know their potential. They're better than this. They're better than what they showed. Also get frustrated with Michael Conforto, who's not only struggling offensively, but defensively as well, making me look bad. You've all heard me multiple times in this podcast on multiple episodes making the case for Michael Conforto to be re-signed even before Francisco Lindor. I didn't think he was going to struggle this much, and I don't think it's going to go out through the year. I know they will turn this around. It's just a matter of time. Now, I'm telling you how I feel, but I don't expect you all to feel the same way. You have every right to complain and feel upset, especially if you go to the games and you pay to see them play. I'm just saying that maybe it is not best at the moment to be worried yet. It's still early. We're not even a month through the season, but you could be frustrated, but don't be worried this early. I don't think it's wise. The Mets are nine and eight in first place, and they haven't even clicked on all cylinders yet. So let's give this a little more time. They'll get it together, and I'm pretty sure we're in for one heck of a ride. Some final thoughts before I let you go today. Carlos Carrasco threw four innings in a rehab outing and is slated to return for the second week 
of May. He tore his hamstring in spring training, and it's good to see him on track and coming close. I know the Mets don't really have a fifth starter for a while with the multiple days off they have coming up. So I know they sent down Joey Lucchese to the alternate site, but I wouldn't be too alarmed about that. It's for him to get some reps and them to have an extra piece in the bullpen right now. They brought up Steven Tarplay. Didn't look too well against the Nationals on Saturday, but that's just one outing. We'll see where that goes. Noah Syndergaard faced batters for the first time on Saturday, throwing one inning in a scrimmage, looking very strong, throwing 97 miles per hour, and that's what you like to see. You want to see his velocity up there. As we know, Noah Syndergaard had Tommy John miss the full season last year, which wasn't too bad because the Mets only played 60 games, so he didn't really miss much. It sucked not having him around because the rotation was in shambles, but i rather have him come back this year with the team this strong and I still believe it, that they will be in there till the end at least, and hopefully into late October. Now let's look at the top of the rotation. I saw this stat the other day, and I posted that on Twitter. 12 starts, 74 innings pitched, 6-3 with a 1.46 ERA, 88 strikeouts, 50 of those 88 strikeouts from Jacob deGrom. Now when I say the top of the rotation, that means Jacob deGrom, Marcus Stroman, and Taiwan Walker who have been solid. And so I can't wait to see this rotation in full effect when we have Carrasco and Syndergaard added to the mix. In regards to the bullpen, Drew Smith has been activated from the injured list and sent to the alternate site. He dealt with shoulder soreness through spring training, so he will be ready to go. Maybe they'll send down Tarplay and bring him up instead. Dylan Batanzas moved to the 60-day injured list. Looks more and more like we're never going to see him pitch for the Mets again. I don't know. His velocity was down in spring. Now he's got the impingement, and his Met career might be done with. And I, if, if his injury history continues, his Major League Baseball career might be coming to an end as well. But we are going to wrap up the show here. It was great talking to you all. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to please take a few minutes to write me a review. Let me know what you think of the show. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. If you leave me a five-star review, that would be amazing because that will help me climb the rankings in baseball and Mets podcasts. And I would enjoy being up there with the top podcasts that the Met fans have out there. There's a lot of Mets podcasts, so if you can help me get there, I would appreciate it. You can follow the show on Twitter at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Turn on your notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. You can also find Subway to Shea on YouTube, This podcast is available every Thursday on the HSP Network. Catch me alongside podcasts like The Bullpen with DA, Third Floor Lounge, which covers the NFL and NBA, Sus Talk, and the return of the High Spot Podcast, which covers all things professional wrestling. Just search High Spot Podcast on YouTube or youtube.com slash highspotpodcast and make sure to subscribe today. Well, that will do it for this week's podcast. And always remember to listen, subscribe, share, and review For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to the Subway to Shea podcast. Let's go Mets.